Welcome back to the Other Side of Grace podcast. I am your host, David Kimball, and this is my buddy Cole. He is the co-author on our website, othersideofgrace.com. I encourage you to check out our devotions on there. Cole recently wrote a new one on the Holy Spirit. Uh, please go check that one out. Today, we are going to be talking about a delicate dance between faith and humility and meditation on Luke chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. So to begin our uh, podcast today, we're going to start with uh, first sips. For those of you who don't know, first sips is a uh, time in which we talk about what the meditation is actually about because we realize that not everyone has had a chance to read the meditation before they listen to the podcast. So the meditation today is based on Luke 7. Uh, 6 through 10, and I'll read that for us very quickly. So Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. So this devotion is about the delicate dance between what I like to understand as humility and faith. Um, and as we'll get into the, the blog a little bit, we'll see that um, humility has a lot to do with submission and um Submission has a lot to do with bold faith. And uh, so with that, I encourage you to take some time to read the devotion, uh, whether before or after. But uh, Cole, you've had a chance to read this. Um, tell me kind of what what were your initial thoughts? What, what jumped out at you when you read it? My initial thought was, first off, the boldness of the centurion because uh, he orchestrates so many people like a, a, a legion which is what uh, my tr translation says is between 3,000 and 6,000 soldiers mm -hmm. so he knows what authority means and for him to be bold enough to say that uh, God or in this case Jesus I know that if you just say the word my slave will be healed the the boldness of his faith and that one word of God could heal and restore. Yeah, and think about the number, like 3,000 to 6,000 men. And they're all, the, that 
superior officer is just he's trusting mm -hmm. that every single one of those six thousand people are going to be faithful to do what he says they need to do mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy yeah and um, he still cares about his one slave because I, I didn't think about that until now after you were rereading this he has control over so many people but he still cares about the one yeah. which granted we don't know what his slave was for we don't know what uh, his purpose was but we knew it was enough for him to care uh, about it uh, about this person to ask jesus to heal him yeah that actually brings up a great point that i don't think we even talked about talking about today was um, that a, a good superior officer someone in authority over us a good one is going to actually care about our needs yeah Whereas, you know, so you can tell that he actually cared rather than it was just like some guy who's like, oh, I'm so cool. I'm a general, you know, or whatever. Um, these, you know, yeah. walk over everyone to get to the place of power that he was in. No, he actually cared about people. And I think that uh, as you were saying that, you know, the, the song Re Reckless Love came to mind, you know, like he leaves, he leaves the uh, 99 to go get the one. Um, uh, that's actually a pretty cool picture of, of Christ, you know, like what the centurion is, uh, mm -hmm. is, is showing here. Um, another thing. <laughs> so when I first did a study on the word legion and what that meant, um, you know, the fact that it's three to 6,000 people, I kept thinking about the the story of the demoniac um, who had the legion mm -hmm. of demons in him. I'm like, he really had like when I think of legions, I was thinking, okay, like twelve, maybe you know, seven, you know, because there's other yeah. times in scripture where they will say like he's had seven demons in him, you know, but a legion like up to six thousand demons mm -hmm. in one dude. <laughs> Dang, that's intense. I don't, I don't even know how to comprehend that. Like that many spirits wrestling with your own spirit. And yeah. I mean, was that guy even, even human at that point? Or was he just like an empty shell that's being well, consumed by demonic activity? Because if it's a story I'm thinking of, he was like <clears throat> animalistic, cutting himself and all that. So like yeah. it, it took away all of his humanity that he had. But he still had enough to reach out and call to Jesus. It was like, I need to be healed. It was like, it was, he still had enough to realize what was happening. But yeah, it's crazy to think about that that many things can be wrestling inside of one person's body. Yeah. I, I can't it's, comprehend it. I can't even no. wrap my brain around it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Anyways, that's a total sidebar, but yeah. it was just it's fascinating to me. Um, so coming back to uh, to this devotion, uh, I think the, the first thing I really wanted to talk about is submission, um, because there's there's two things that's happening when um, you're under authority you you have to submit to your superior officer. Mm. Um, or else things will not go well for you. Yeah. Um, but also humility at its core is about submission. Yeah. And so 
I find it really fascinating that the centurion, he is in a place of authority. And technically he could lord it over Jesus because, Mm -hmm. you know, the Jews were subjects to the Romans at this time. Um, But he doesn't. He comes to Jesus in this place of humility and submission of saying, I understand what it means to be an authority and to have to give out authority. And I am understanding that you're the one who is in complete authority and I need to be humble and submit to you. That's a pretty bold statement right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think about that? Wherever there is authority, there is submission somewhere. In order for someone to hold a authoritative anything, someone has to submit to someone else. It's the only way for authority and humility to actually live and breathe. And it's kind of crazy that uh, the, I forgot where it says in scripture, but it says that we have authority in Jesus. Mm. We are granted authority as his children. But yet our authority is only granted by submitting to God's authority. Right. So it's this superiority complex of Jesus <laughs> that is not bad. It's actually great. It's beautiful. But it's this really bizarre way to think about it that in order for authority to exist, someone has to submit. Who has to submit? Who has to submit even at the top? It's this really bizarre way to, th- to think about it. Yeah. But it, it kind of works mm-hmm. in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. Every, every rung of the ladder of authority, I guess you're submitting to someone until mm-hmm. you get to the ultimate top, Yeah, which is God. And God is not submitting to anyone. He nope. doesn't need to. Um, but that, yeah, that is interesting. And, um, and to be able to recognize authority that is not necessarily in your chain of command, you know, because he was a Roman centurion. He did not need to recognize Jesus' authority. Yeah. Technically speaking, he knew that Jesus was holy and was a righteous man. But technically speaking, Jesus was still a Jew. And on top of that, from Nazareth, which already was a very low standing. So technically in the hierarchy of the time, he could have easily squashed him like a bug and just paid no mind to him at all. He he could have treated him very badly like most Roman official officers and centurions did. But it's kind of crazy to think about someone of this high command so easily submitted to, at the time, authority level that was much lower than his instead of his own mind. He he submitted down way below his station, if you really think about it, to submit to the ultimate authority, which is at the highest station to be. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I like what you said, you know, he submitted to the lowest station because the Jews were subject to Roman law at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and most Roman officers probably thought pretty low of, of the Jews. From- pretty much anyone else, yeah. even each other. If Because he, like the lowest soldier was pretty much treated like a Jew unless it was to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, other Romans had the exact same type of issue with authority and power and all that yeah greed right and you know the the romans i mean they they got rebellions from everywhere but yeah you know my understanding is they really 
didn't like that area, like that part of the world, like, you know, like, and the Jewish people are, you know, that they, they kind of didn't think highly of the Jewish people either. And, uh, you know, they, they allowed them to continue kind of a, a semblance of self-governing in their religious laws, you know, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, yeah, the, the Jews were subject to them. And so for this Roman soldier to be like, okay, I'm submitting to you, Jesus. I know you can just say the word and it's done, yeah. you know? Um, and that's, that to yeah. me is bold faith, that submission. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah. So let's talk a little bit about submission and what, what submission actually is and how do we submit to God's authority? We just start that. What would would you like to start that? Would I like to start that? Yeah, I was kind of hoping you would because I'm asking <laughs> you the question. <laughs> well, there, there's not a third person to delegate questions. We don't. Dang it! At the this moment. is why we always have three people on our podcast. Um, yeah. So submission is um, been something that I've been slowly learning over the last, uh, I guess three years, well, really my whole life, but especially over the last three years, um, as I think I've understood that when I've tried to take control of a situation, uh, or circumstance, I end up making a huge mess out of it. And so learning to kind of release it, let go of it, not in a way that means I don't care about it anymore, but in a way that says, I can't control this, but I know you, God, can. And so I give it to you. And in that giving, I'm also having to surrender my uh, my right to it, realizing, well, maybe this isn't what God wants for me. So I'm going to trust God more then um, I'm going to trust God with this no matter what the outcome is. You know, is this, uh, if this is something God wants for me, then I'm going to trust that he's going to open all the doors and provide it at the right time. And that means I have to be okay with that timing as well, which is completely unknown to me. (laughs) So it is literally just saying, God, this is something that's on my heart. I love it. I would like it to happen, but I can't make it happen because I'll just mess it up. So here it is for your safekeeping. And I'm just going to be okay here waiting for whatever you decide to happen. And that's also saying, yeah, if that doesn't happen, I'm okay. If it does happen, I'm okay. You know, it's that complete letting go and putting yourself under someone else's authority, but also trusting them enough with that, that it's okay for for me not to be trying to do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I've been realizing it in my own life uh, lately. Um, So, you know, the, the question I wrote down on the sheet is, does God have authority in my life? And have I really submitted to his authority? I think those are two valid and different questions because 
I can say, well, yeah, God has authority in my life because I'm a Christian and I believe in him. But that doesn't necessarily mean I've actually given God permission to handle my everyday life circumstances because I'm still going to try and control them. Yeah. You know, so I think there is two different things between actually submitting to his authority and giving him the, does that make sense? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I remember one of our earlier episodes we did the uh, El Shaddai or Mm. the God of all authority. Yeah. Uh, this ties in very nicely with that, that um, submission and authority are similar, but I would almost argue that they're not exactly the same thing. Uh, submission is letting go of control for someone else. And authority, I would say, is letting go of control for someone greater. Mm, I like that. Let's so, play on words right there. So That's why you're a writer yeah. on our side. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do both constantly with our father, God. Uh, we have to uh, submit to his authority first. Once we submit to his greater power, then we can start uh, submitting to everything else that he does in our lives. We have to first off let go of our control and then our everyday lives will start to be slowly consumed by God, and we will slowly act upon His will. Mm-hmm. But it's a delicate dance. Whoa! Whoa! That in, whoa! Like that. Whoa! But it's a dance and a struggle to slowly learn to let go, to submit to everything God wants for us, because we want to have control so much, because we think. As much as we say that we don't, and as much as we try not to, we still think our lives are our own. And because of free will, technically speaking, we can do whatever we want and have have this false reality of, I can do whatever I want. This is my life. I want to live it the way I want to. But as soon as we realized we can't live by ourselves, we uh, accept the Holy Spirit, we uh, say publicly and in our hearts and spirits and minds that Jesus died on the cross for us. We have to submit to that authority. We realize that. And then we realize my life was never my own. The free will that we had, that I had is a gift, but it's also a crutch that we use all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, So control is is a tricky thing, I think, for all of us um, because we try – I think our, our, the world tells us we have to be in control of our lives. We have to mm-hmm. master our self-control. We have to master our habits, our, our yeah. fears, our um, yeah. our success. You have to be ready for the next step yes. constantly. And um, – and I do agree that we should work to become the best that we can at everything. And in, in that matter, we have some control over our abilities. Mm-hmm. But um, even that, even, even if I was a complete failure at something, God can come in and say, I want you to do this. And I mean, just think of, just think of Moses, for instance. Moses 
was scared to be an, an orator because he couldn't, he didn't have elegant speech. And God said, no, you're going to be the leader of Israel. <laughs> He's like, well, at least give me someone to help speak. And so he gave, he, he did have grace and gave him Aaron to be kind of a, a mouthpiece in many ways. Um, yeah. But then Moses was also scared because he had failed in the past. He, he murdered someone. He had, um, you know, grew up in privilege and watched his brothers and sisters and cousins have to slave away all his life. You know, like he was scared that if he went back and said, hey, guys, follow me, they're going to be like, no, uh, <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> that guy who killed an Egyptian trying to like pretend to care about us. Um, uh, but God was like, no, Moses, I'm using you. But what God was really saying to Moses was, I am going to be in you and with you. Hmm. You're not doing this by yourself. I am in control. I just need you to be obedient and say, yes, I got it from there. And that to me is at the heart of submission is the release of control of saying, I can't do this because I'm not good enough or uh, I'm too good. So, you know, like I'll do it better than everyone else. Whatever your control issue is, you know, there's two sides of that. Um, whatever your control issue is, it's letting go of that and saying, okay, um, I'm going to sit in the back seat now. And I'm going to go, if God says go there, I'm going to go. I'm going to let him drive, actually. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. No. <laughs> okay, Carrie. <laughs> um, another thing interesting about control is control is, um, is also a spirit. There are controlling spirits that come into our life. And... Um, Control is also likened to witchcraft because witchcraft mm. at its core is the idea that we can manipulate the elements around us to get the outcome we want, essentially controlling our environment or the elements or people or whatever. And um, I don't think we ever really put those two together, but witchcraft at its core is controlling your situation or the outcome. Uh, when we try and act in a state of control, we're practicing witchcraft. Hmm. And we're also saying we know better than God, which comes down to pride. So control is like a huge, huge like issue. And uh, I think that's why the Bible constantly tells us to submit to God, humble ourselves. And I think that's why when Jesus saw the centurion submit to him, someone that centurion really shouldn't have submitted to, and said, I know that you can do this by just saying the word because I understand authority and you have it. That to me was like such bold faith. I mean, Jesus saw that as bold faith because the centurion wasn't practicing control, wasn't practicing pride. 
he was practicing humility. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Got any thoughts on any of that? I know that was a big, like, that was a lot. A lot. <laughs> It truly is amazing how every single sin that we commit all boils down to our pride and mm -hmm. thinking that we are somehow greater than our creator. It's a little, it's silly. It's stupid. It's honestly psychotic. If you're, it's, it's insanity, but we don't see it as that very often. We don't see ourselves at, because we think of, our sin as multiple different areas of our lives, but it's, it's all pride and it's all insanity for us to constantly be inside these vicious cycles of relapse, not even with a substance or uh, abuse, just relapse and lying and uh, struggling with control and authority. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard, but it's insane to constantly struggle with these things. And it's a, it's not just a, a delicate battle between uh, faith and humility. It's a delicate battle between flesh and spirit. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the famous passage, it's, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against uh, rulers and powers and principalities of the yeah. unseen world. Um, yeah, it is. And even even our own flesh battles the spirit of Christ in us mm -hmm. constantly um, because, you know, we want to do what feels good in the moment. And Christ tells us, no, nah, why don't you obey me? <laughs> I trust me. It's better this way. But of course, we don't because we're we're like, oh, this feels good in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. So, um yeah, I think um, learning to submit to to submit comes comes down to our our willingness to obey. You know, are we going to obey God in this moment when He says to go do something or stop doing something? Um, are we going to submit to that authority and actually obey Him, or are we going to? become prideful and try to control our own situation, our own life, be the, be the God of our own life, essentially. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately when we sin, uh, that's really what we're doing is we're saying, no, God, I'm not submitting to your authority right now. I'm going to control my own life right now and do what I want. Um, and that gets us into trouble 100% of the time. Yeah. 110%. Yeah. That's always. Yeah. And then if you really understand control is witchcraft, we're practicing dark magic right there. That's not cool. <laughs> Take that, Harry Potter fans. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Always diss in Harry Potter, but never Lord of the Rings. Never Lord of the Rings. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. So faith, I think, comes down to taking God at his word. 
Um, the centurion said, you know, I know what it's like to be an authority. If I say, go do this, they'll do it. Um, if God's made a promise to us and we don't believe him, that's not faith. But if God makes a promise and we take him at his word, we believe that what he said is going to happen, no matter how bleak or unrealistic that looks, that's faith. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of the story in um, Second Chron I think it's Second Chronicles, of, um, I think it's, Jehoshaphat, um, he's he's is he's king of Judah, and three armies are marching against him, and he's freaking out because like they're going to be destroyed. And Jehoshaphat calls for a prophet, and he humbles himself before the Lord, and he calls together the the congregation of Israel, and he stands there. And literally recites to Israel in a prayer saying, hey, God, remember when you did this and this and this and this and this and this. And we believe that you are going to be faithful in your promise to fulfill what you said. And he recites all the promises God made. And so he's, he's doing this kind of to twofold he's reminding israel of god's faithfulness in the past and the promises god has made and has already fulfilled and still yet to fulfill and he's reminding god hey god remember when you said you would do this <laughs> uh, a little help now <laughs> um and i i thought that was really kind of it's a bold thing to be able to say Faith is not only taking God at his word, but faith is holding God to his word. Yeah. The only word we can hold on to because all of man's words will fail, but mm. God's words will always prevail. Oh, that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to back that up. I do that all the time. Don't worry. That was a unintentional rhyme okay it's okay it's a it's fine that's why you write songs that's that's why i write songs i'm a singer <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah it, it is true that all of our words that we will ever speak will f fall short even the promises that we kept don't mean anything because the next promise that we make will probably fail Mm -hmm. We are not trustworthy of our own word. That's why we, we, whenever we swear upon something, we have to swear upon something greater than ourselves because our word means nothing. But God is the only one that can make a promise because he can swear upon no one greater than himself because mm -hmm. he's the greatest of all time. Right. It's, which is why we can trust the Bible and trust the scriptures that are written because God's word will always be there. It's our comfort and it's our weapon at the same time. Mm. It's something that is both easy to digest, but hard to consume. Sometimes yeah. it's the 
<laughs> quoting Revelation here, it's um, sweet at taste, but bitter in the spirit. Okay. Where's that in Revelation? Um, Can't quote something. Six? Six? Chapter six? I think it's in six. It's out of context, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, out, it. it's okay. It, it, it's, it's out of context, and it's talking about uh, John eating the scroll, which has nothing to do with this, but uh, uh, I mentioned that. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. That's good. I think it's six. Um, yeah, the, the fact that God can never be found unfaithful, because for God to go against his own word would literally like mean that God isn't God. Like it's It's one of those paradoxes that you run into. Um, it's like you think about if Jesus ever sinned, that means that Jesus couldn't be God. But yet Jesus is God. So like, that's just the paradox. Like what if Jesus sinned? Well, then he wouldn't be God, but he is God. Yeah, anyways, but yeah. that goes in circles. <laughs> but the scripture said that he's ever sinned, but he was fully human, but he was also fully God. Yeah. It's like, um, it makes sense, but it makes no sense to us. Yeah. And like the suffering Christ, like how does God suffer? He's God. Um, it's another one of those paradoxes that I haven't dive, heard that before. If you dive too deep into, yeah, Jesus suffered, but He was God. God doesn't. God well, didn't. anyways, doesn't God suffer whenever we sin? If you if you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess you can go many many routes. There, there's many that. routes that you can go yeah. with that because our oh. sin does hurt God, but it's yeah, yeah. Bringing up topic, <laughs> but I mean, I think you know, suffering as we see it in in the world is usually caused by sin. So yeah. how can God suffer the the causes of sin if He's sinless? Like that's I think where that question really yeah. originates. The same way a father suffers that his <clears throat> son's mistakes, even though he didn't commit the mistakes, it's yeah, yeah consequences to our actions affect other people big time big time big time even ones we keep in secret <clears throat> so faith is taking god at his word faith is also holding god to his word um and i wrote down holding god to his promises is an act of submission what do you think about that how, how do you think that could be I like the way that you worded that, holding God accountable, mm -hmm. as if testing God to see if he will fail. It's it's kind of a clever play on words, yeah. but um, I think sometimes in our minds, in order for us to comprehend what God is doing, we have to sometimes mentally put God to the test in a way without really, without putting him on trial per se, because we're not supposed to ever really put God to the test, but sometimes mentally for us to understand, we have to say, okay, fine. If I submit to this, I want to see this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was Gideon, right? Right. That we're, the fleece. Yeah. 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 Like it, it's sometimes something we have to do in order to understand. It's like baby steps that God has to re reveal to us right. in order for us to understand Okay, fine. I I will do this because you have proven your uh, you, you have proven yourself in full. 
I was about to say worthy, but I'm like that. That's a very, very bad <laughs> choice of words. God is, a, he's always worthy. He's but, always worthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it comes down to the fact that we are these finite beings who can't see even a yeah. minute into the future. Yeah. You know? um, so for us, it's like, all we have is God's promises that he made in the past. And we have to believe that he's going to fulfill them in the future, mm-hmm. but we don't know how or when. So for me, it's like this, I, I'm holding God accountable to these, not that I can actually hold God to anything. Like I have no authority to hold him to anything, yeah. but it, he made this promise to me. And so as the second person in the promise, I can remind God and in reminding God, I'm like, it's really more for me than it is for him. I mean, it's not like God forgets. Right. But in my my faithfulness to remind myself, I am showing this bold faith to God saying, hey, I still remember the promise you made. I'm still holding you to your word that you're going to do it. But at the same time, it's also this submission. I am still under your authority of when and how you're going to do it. Yeah. So. All right. So uh, I guess as we start wrapping up our um, podcast for today, uh, let's talk a little bit about pride versus humility to kind of wrap things around. Uh, In the devotion, I make a statement that pride robs us of our faith and that humility empowers our faith. Um, What are your thoughts on those statements, Cole? Yeah. Uh, Pride robs us of the ability to submit to God. It robs us of the... uh, It... I'm trying to think of a more elegant way to word this. It it is what hinders our faith the most, the root of sin, pride, and uh, how humility empowers our faith. It it allows us to truly see God in his full beauty, to, to see his beauty on display in our lives, to be able to voluntarily want to submit to everything and submit to everything God wants for us and to be complete vessels for God's work, to be his handiwork, to fulfill our true duty as the church, Mm -hmm. to live lives and to preach uh, about the gospel. Okay. Yeah. I, pretty much agree spot on. I don't know that I could say it much better. You know, I think, um, using the word Rob, you know, I think of a thief, Yeah. you know, and I think it was last week we talked about the strong man comes into our house and, and robs us like a thief and, and takes us hostage. Um, pride is, is a strong man, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, we all face pride. Every single one of us deal with pride. There's not a human on this planet that doesn't deal with pride. Um, I think that if we really understand how damaging pride can be, we wouldn't let them in. No. Um, 
Whereas, you know, so pride, pride slowly robs us of our ability to love people. Pride slowly robs us of our ability to show compassion on people. Um, pride robs us of our ability to um, really fulfill our calling in our lives. Um, there's no way we can do ministry if we're prideful. Yeah. I mean, we try all the time and we always mm -hmm. fail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I think the, the big thing is pride robs us of this beautiful thing called submission where we can say to God, you're right. And I'm going to do what you say, even if I don't understand it or want to, um, pride robs us of that ability to get under the authority of Christ. Yeah. Uh, whereas humility really empowers us and, you know, humility and in, in kind of a cultural worldly idea is often seen as weakness. Yeah. Um, but in a biblical sense, humility is the strongest, most honorable thing we can ever do. And so if we really understand that humility is being obedient to God and getting under his authority, all of a sudden we have power because like you were saying earlier, Christ dwells within us. We have the authority of Christ as sons and daughters of God. Mm -hmm. and brothers and sisters of Christ. We have the authority of God in us. And, you know, if he created the world and he lives in us, that's some crazy power. Um, so, yeah, I think um, pride will ultimately lead to our complete fall and destruction, rob us of everything, um, whereas humility will enable us and empower us to move mountains as scripture says, you know, um, last thoughts. Humility is powerful and pride makes us weak. I like how you just summed up what I just said. I did. Except you did it better than I just said. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, last thoughts is have bold faith. Believe that the God who created this universe lives and dwells within you. And that, you know, as, as James says, you know, like this is a little out of context, but James says, if you lack wisdom, ask and I'll give it graciously to you. Well, I think that applies to everything. Anything you lack, ask God and he will give it graciously to you. Because God says multiple times in scripture, ask and you will receive. Yeah. Um, but have that bold faith to really submit to God's authority and be humble and be okay with letting God be in complete control. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Other Side of Grace podcast. And uh, please check out the meditation, um, a delicate dance between faith and humility on the website. And I look forward to seeing you all next time.